out of Oklahoma City. We are live at the Parish on the Plaza. And you're here for the Good Trash Genre Cast as we present Planet Thunder Productions' The Fable of Shannon Cable. And now, your hosts first. He is one of the founders of the Good Trash family. And occasionally, he gets a little sad, boy. But he's always America's bad boy. Dalton, middle name starts with a J, Stewart. Next, the guy that can't take a hint. Grab your mops, party people, because there's not going to be a dry seat in the house. It is Caleb Masters. And finally, she has been called a perfect 10, and she has the distinguished privilege of being your Master of Ceremonies, or MC for short. She is the always charming, always courageous, the one, the only girl in the Good Trash Media Network, with the exception of our Friday film, Kirsten Thurgles, and Alexandra Brohannon. Welcome to the live episode of the Good Trash Genre Cast. That is incredibly satisfying. Yes, it is. People came out to, to see us talk about movies? Yes, in front of microphones instead of just in Arthur's apartment. But yes, as, as we've discussed before, we I'm still trying to figure out this mic thing. All right. Uh, We're doing it live. We are the uh, Good Trash Media Network bringing you the Good Trash Genre Cast, which where we take genre film and use literary analysis on them to analyze that film for its deeper and uh, more delightful content. Because there is content. And in the film you just saw, The Fable of Shane and Cable, do you think there are deeper meanings in there? <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> woo, let's talk about total whiplash. Um, yeah. There's some stuff going on there. We, I yeah. talked to. Uh, we're we're going to get in. Uh, there's some troubling things at the end of this film. I'm like, let's not pretend that there's not. Um, and, and yeah, it, it it connects interestingly uh, with the rest of the movie. And, and Zach Burns, uh, the producer who also was uh, puppeting those lovely puppets, uh, he he and I talked about that a little bit last night. Uh, we we don't we can't shoot from the hip, guys. Uh, it takes a little time to think about these things. So we uh, watched the film with the, the producer last night. One of the producers last night. Uh, and it's definitely something that, that came up while we were, were talking. And it's going to come up more throughout the evening because y- you can't not talk about it. Uh, y- yeah, it's icky and gross and doesn't make anyone feel good about anything. So we're going to get into it. Don't worry. I promise we're going to table that for right now, though. Yeah. So what we're going to do first is just a uh, quick thumbs up, thumbs down review, um, and then followed by just our kind of analysis. And then, then we're going to transition into our uh, kind of our question and answer segment. So uh, t- take it away, either of you. I got this. I got you guys. Uh, I'll kick things off. So Don't, uh, uh, don't make it awkward and talk shit on their movie in front of them. 
Well, I mean, why would I do that? That'd be real weird for everybody. I know Dalton it would just, be weird. <laughs> the guy who just saw the movie. Good grief! It's so good, though. It's so good. Uh, no, no, I, uh, I actually really enjoyed this film a, a whole lot. Uh, it's one of those things, you know. Whenever you you're, you're, you have friends or, or acquaintances who make movies, you're always a little concerned. You're like, oh, man. I don't want to just be like support team, but yeah, when, but, when you do what we do, sometimes movies are not good, uh, and it, uh, it's always accurate. awkward. The I, first I, live show we ever did was uh, my, my good friend Nick Sanford's film *Tempest Fugit*, and I was like, oh, "Man, I don't. It's. It, I, I hope I like it." And he's like, "It's okay if you don't. It's fine." So he really <laughs> encouraged us to talk crap on the movie, and <laughs> it's a problem because really we really like the movie. It's so. A good movie. And, yeah. and so is the fable of Shannon Cable. Uh, there was some misinformation. I thought uh, this was related to X Men for some reason. Uh, with yeah, there's some ties there. People don't tell me things. Uh, I, I'll tell you what though, that that song is real catchy. Uh, yeah, well, that's the, the soundtrack, uh, who which was written by Vinnie Hogan, who, yes. who sadly is not with us tonight, but uh, he's also the director and one of the producers as well. And man, talk about catchy guys! Shannon Cable is always able to kick some butt. Let me tell you what, everybody, Shannon Cable is always able to kick some butt. Let me tell you what, just the ladies. <laughs> nope. Okay, you've gone well, too far, Dalton. It's worth a shot. Too far. <laughs> Sorry. I'm so sorry, Caleb. You were saying something. Yeah, no, I, just, I, I thought the the soundtrack was really a standout, and I think that the film, you know, uh, as uh, one of the producers stated earlier, that this film is was made for for nothing over the course of a, a year on weekends. As yeah. uh, and, and the thing is, like a lot of uh, a lot of great filmmakers get their start that way. Chris Nolan made Following under the same circumstances over the course of like almost two years, uh, and I think this is a, a really admirable kind of first outing for for Planet Thunder. I think the soundtrack was great. I think the uh, the, the way they kind of play off of the limited budget is they really p- are very self-aware and, and poke fun at themselves, uh, which is when, when you have a film with limitations, that's really, especially one that's already kind of comedic in nature, I think that's really the best way to diffuse that, that kind of uh, criticism the audience is probably going to lob. Uh, yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, when you can see the strings on things, make, make sure you put a light on them. Like people yeah. are going to notice it anyway, so let's make sure we. Or in point this case, just drop a boom mic and in, in front of <laughs> so the video. That was so great. Good. So that was, good. That was choice. That that whole the, the whole uh, orientation video for the <laughs> spirit retrieval project is so funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, Caleb, if you're done with your little uh, piece on your review, how about we transition to you, Dalton? I mean, I talked enough during Caleb's, didn't well, okay. I? Well, uh, you, not, nothing, okay. Well, nothing out of character yes, for you, Dalton. This is a problem. We all have, thanks to the power of editing, you don't hear it as much. But um, just in a sentence or two, a short or paragraph, 12. very short paragraph. Uh, no, it's it's fabulous. Uh, Caleb's already touched on a lot of the things that work in this film. Uh, the, the music is, is delightful, and I want to talk about that more a little bit later. Um, I really, really enjoy the comic timing of, of the Soul Retrievers. They, um, Kirsten Thurkelson, who is our very own Frightful Femme uh, at Good Trash Media, who writes, she writes about horror films. It's cool. Uh, we were talking about this uh, right after the film, just... They're they're timing with each other. The, they're back and forth. It, it's so top notch. Like it really, uh, comic acting is a lot harder than it gets credit for. Uh, yeah. And when it's done poorly, it looks like absolute garbage. Uh, and you can spot it a mile away. Uh, when people are firing on all cylinders, it looks like the easiest thing in the world because uh, it should. It should. Uh, and, and that's uh, that's just one thing I wanted to point out was just how damn funny everybody is. I mean, it works so well. Hey, yeah. Everyone is damn funny. Uh, there is nothing funnier in the world to me than uh, I, I forget the character's name the, uh, than him calling uh, him Cladomen. Uh, <laughs> that, that was played by Vinnie Hogan yeah, himself. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. You also can't forget the. Uh, it smells like death. <laughs> death. 
vengeance. In vengeance. More death. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I love seeing a comedic straight man a straight man played so straight that he's comedic like yeah, you, you don't great. get that very much and it's it's fabulous well, yeah it's definitely a, a, a relic from a bygone era i mean it's something that you got with Evan costello and uh, it's something in an older comedy you you couldn't do without and now it, it everybody's being the wacky one and that's not fun uh it's fun for the actors but it doesn't make for uh, as tightly made a comedy so it works really well here well done uh Vinny hogan and co yeah um, yeah, I agree with all my co-hosts. Uh, it seems like we're in a consensus, which is great. I enjoyed this film immensely. I thought that uh, the, that everything in it was top-notch. I know how much this was made for. This was made for less than $3,000, which uh, I think is the number I was quoted. So that's very impressive considering what all of this costs. I've seen worse movies than this that were made, made for, for much more money. Much more money. Millions of dollars. Y- you know, like uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Out of the Shadows, in theaters now. Can confirm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Batman, Boots, Superman, joke here, etc. Okay, we're not going to touch that one. Um, but yes, this film is delightful. I wanted to specifically uh, point out uh, our actress who plays Shannon Cable, her facial expressions. So good. She has the most expressive face I've ever seen, and it's fantastic. And I felt everyone else was uh, top-notch, too. I, I mean, I can't talk enough good things about this movie, so I feel like I'm almost redundant at this point. And, and uh, how about that, uh, the, uh, the air shaft? What was it, the, uh, the, the air AC? The Alex? freaking attic fan, man. Attic fan, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were watching it, Alex goes, what? What is that? Yeah, I had no idea. It's like it's an it's attic like, fan. It's like it's an, an automatic guillotine <laughs> that's in your house? I don't know. Yeah. Oh. Automatic yeah. guillotine. Uh, when there are people trying to commit sexual assaults running through your attic, <laughs> you better have an automated guillotine. That's a that's just a death trap. That's a dangerous thing yeah. to have in your home. Well, I actually was asking Zach during the film uh, being screened now that I've seen it once, and I was like, so are all of these like secret passageways there, or are they just like kind of coupled together? He's like, no, they're there. Like yeah, behind the, the bookshelf house. with the uh, cupboard and Vinnie, all that. Vinnie Hogan's parents are here tonight. They live in that house, and that's scary to me. Yeah. I, good job, because yeah. that's, a, that's a spooky, it's a beautiful home, but it is spooky. Spooky. <laughs> Too spooky for me. Well, um, now that we're done with our review section, thanks, boys, and thank me, I guess. We're going to transition into Thanks, our... Alex. You're welcome. We're going to transition into our analysis. So uh, either Caleb or Dalton? Well, uh, let's go ahead and talk about it. Uh, okay. So, y- yes, I like this film a lot. Uh, I don't particularly care for rape and sexual assault and, and the implication thereof in media. Uh, you know, if you're going to use it, uh, as Game of Thrones frequently does, uh, there has to be a point. And, and unfortunately, I think there is a point here. I, I think the tonal whiplash is is really strong. And again, we're going to talk about that with Zach and Jacob Burns and, and a little bit later. Uh, the, the thing that it provides a connective tissue to the film, though. So the aspect of it that I think does work uh, is the connection to the event in 1929 uh, and the, the events of the present day. Because uh, I feel like the flashbacks and what's happening with Nick and Shannon in the present uh, really shine a light on, on the cycles of violence that occur uh, in our society. Uh, turns out you can't just ignore things when they happen. Uh, if you refuse to address violence in your society, it will keep happening. Um, sometimes in the very same place that it happened before. And, and I think that the bookended nature of the story of this house uh, really speaks to that. 
because you know we have this inciting incident of uh, this double homicide that took place in the home uh, of a, a douchebag uh, murdering his wife and his uh, housekeeper. Uh, and flash forward 80 some odd years later, you have uh, an attempted assault. And it's, yeah, it's very troubling. And it's supposed to be. Uh, tonally, it's a little confusing. But I mean, it is not supposed to make you feel fuzzy. Uh, it's bad. And, and I think that the thing that I appreciate about it uh, is it does speak to the fact that when you ignore things when you put a body away and you refuse to acknowledge that a human life has been taken it just builds um this is how wars start uh this is how we fail each other this is how we fail as a society uh to do well by each other um and the film does have a resolution to that and it's something i appreciate because it says if you go out of your way to shine a light on these things, say these are the people responsible, these are the people that are getting hurt by our indifference and by our neglect, you might be able to affect some positive change in the world. Uh, and if you don't, people are going to keep getting murdered uh, and taken advantage of. When you treat another human being as an object, uh, they lose their humanity, um, sometimes just in one person's eyes uh, and sometimes through indifference through all of our eyes. So, yeah, uh, heavy shit. Sorry about that. Uh, that's what happens with movies sometimes. They speak to the larger human condition, and uh, they make you feel things, and sometimes those things aren't great. Uh, but I, I do want to give uh, credit where credit is due, because The Fable of Shannon Cable does manage in some way uh, to address that issue, and I, I appreciate that. Yes. Oh, no. that, you know. he, we we normally don't applaud him because it feeds that ego yeah, of his. But I, no, no, careful, it's fine. Don't, you don't, did. don't do it. I, I, I don't need that in my no, life. No, you don't. But it's it's. Thank you, thank you, Dalton. That's a great analysis. I'm really glad someone uh, spoke on that. So, Caleb Masters, what do you have to say in terms of analysis? Well, I'm going to change gears to something a lot lighter, a lot less, you know, dark, Sa brutal, rape-heavy. Um, so, I want to talk about the Tiltiller fable of Shannon Cable. Uh, I'm sorry, what? It's the fable. The, the, the whatchiller? That the tiltular. Titular? Tiltular. Titular? Titular? Titular. I think your mind's in the gutter, sir. I think you're really I bad at words, Caleb. I think you're in the gutter, my friend. It's fine. We've discussed this. Caleb Caleb's knows bad words, at words sometimes. It's fine. <laughs> you know, going. it just means I'm not from the same... You, it means you're very well okay, read. moving you, forward. You've read a lot of words. So, you just haven't fables. talked to many people. Caleb, so fables. Fables, Dalton. Fables. That's the point. Not the video game. Not the comic, fables, as in uh, we're going to talk about the short stories which illustrate uh, a particular moral, and they're there to teach a lesson. Now, these fables, I mean, we all know what they are, right? These are kind of uh, nursery rhymes a lot of times, uh, very simplistic stories that have been told for centuries. I mean, really, it, it, they are one of the oldest forms of storytelling we have in the history of man. Uh, you've got, uh, and they've become crucially integrated into the way we tell stories in film, uh, even as far up into, you know, what, uh, you know, I just saw a uh, Turtles movie today, and there was some Fable stuff going on there related to teamwork. So it, it is hugely ingrained into our, into pop culture. Now, a lot of, you know, a lot of the trademarks of Fables is they typically have, you know, animals. Uh, they're usually a little fantastical, a little larger than life. Uh, and there's always a pretty clearly stated moral of the story at the end of the film. So we all kind of know what that was. Now, we're all familiar with a few of these. I mean, you've got, uh, you've got the three little pigs. You've got the boy who cried wolf. Uh, you know, lots of stuff like that. Now, throughout the centuries, they've adapted. And this is why they're so important. They've adapted uh, to each and every culture around the entire world. They transcend race. They transcend gender, religion, everything. They, they, are, they are one of the most basic and essential forms of storytelling. You can go uh, look at uh, good old Aesop. 
Aesop, however, Dalton, how do you say that? Uh, I believe it's Aesop. It's Aesop? Uh, oh, okay. I believe it's Aesop Rocky. Um, no, no, no. Is that no, not? No. Incorrect. Is it? Okay. Okay. Uh, so he's a, no, Yeah, I mean, they're uh, long lived. I mean, you've got 1001 Arabian Nights. I mean, it's a cross cultural. It's cr- And usually it starts, you know, being. Uh, Orally shared. I mean, these things aren't written down until centuries later. Well, no, usually. yeah, that's how most stories in general aren't yeah. written until centuries later, especially you know pre-text and education, uh, widespread education, I should say. Um, so you've got a lot of things in the medieval and the middle evil ages. Uh, it was a big one where we get a lot of things. There's uh, the birth of the beast fable, which is where you start to see animals used to kind of satirize political figures. Uh, that's something you uh, you run into a lot. Once you get into you know uh, the early 14th century, I believe you actually run into a little guy named Chaucer. Uh, who wrote the Canterbury Tales. Um, it's uh, pretty ambiguous whether they're fables or not, but there are a number of fables included in the Canterbury Tales that, have, of course, have uh, been passed down. Uh, now, the, it's, it's, it's the, again, the universal lessons that uh, are crucial. Uh, now, let's look at a time, something that's a little more re- relevant, something that's uh, the last hundred years that people are going to think on. Maybe, maybe not, you don't think traditionally as a fable, but you have things like uh, Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, Definitely a fable. It's dressed up. It's big. It's grandiose. It's got lots of spectacle. Still a fable about uh, temptation and uh, the power, uh, the temptation of power and the ring. Uh, you've got George Orwell's Animal Farm. Uh, and one of my per- personal favorites from very recent, Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, again, lots of classics uh, that are fully integrated. But you ask, you know, you ask Joe Schmo on the street, they're not going to say Pan's Labyrinth. Well, and, and that's the thing that's so interesting about fables is their ability to adapt. Because, I mean, Animal Farm's about, you know, the development of communist Russia. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth is speaking to the rise of fascism in, the, uh, in Spain and the Spanish Civil War. So, it's yeah, it's, that's the thing that works about them so well is their ability to adapt and change and, and take on the shape that they need uh, for the stories of the time. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's why they're so crucial. And, and they, it's, it's funny, you know, you get into these really complex ideas, but they can always be boiled down to a very simple moral of the story, which, uh, you know, Animal Farm is, is, is the idea of, um, you know, the hierarchy um, and uh, class classism, I guess, uh, social class. Well, yeah, the, yeah. The, the kind of inherent nature of class constantly creating itself. Right. Exactly. Uh, now, the fable of Shannon Cable, uh, the film we just watched, exhibit. I know, it's, it's I know, it's coming back it's around. Fun to say. It, it comes back. I do like the, the fable. <laughs> Shannon Cable is <laughs> always able stop. for weeks. Uh, this film exhibits all of those traits. Uh, the The story centers around a high school girl, someone who's a little younger, uh, as most fables tend to a do. A lot of uh, condoning of teenage drinking in this film. I don't care what? for that. Yeah, just some light bulbs went on. It's not okay, Burns. <laughs> <laughs> Teen drinking is very bad. No comment. Unless you have a fake ID. <laughs> that no, we the Good Trash Media Network does not endorse that statement either. So, our opinions are our own. <laughs> now, uh, now the, the film does not feature animals. However, however, you got your ghosts. The uh, funky soul retrievers. God, so good. They, those are the, the 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 animals in the in the story. Uh, they are kind of that that larger than life aspect here. And, uh, you know, uh, they, they later become uh, lawn decorations, uh, Halloween lawn <laughs> decorations. So, again, this over-the-top nature. Why not? Uh, you, you, know? have to have, you have to have that fantastic over-the-top nature for the fable to, to ring true. And it's a, it, this is a very simple full story. She's in her house. She's got ghosts. And she's, got, uh, she's having to learn how to trust those around her. In this case, it's her mom uh, and also her ghouly friends. Uh, you know that it, it comes back around at the end of the film, as stated by the narrator, that you know everything turned out okay. Played after- magnificently by one of my very favorite Oklahoma City comics, Brad Chad Porter. I want to go ahead and throw that out there. Yeah, shout yeah. out, Brad Chad is so good. 
So ultimately, I think this film, uh, The Fable of Shannon Cable, is reinforcing the importance and the value of fables. And that we need to realize that every film, at least every successful film that's not directed or written by Michael Bay, that's mindless explosions, there is a, there is a moral of the story uh, to, to, be, to be sought. And I think this film is just highlighting the importance of, yeah, you, know, you, you don't need the spectacle to tell a good, respectable, and fresh fable uh, that could be passed down for more generations. Excellent. Thank you very much, Caleb Masters. Let's feed his ego. I, I pref- he needs it. Uh, <laughs> Alex, uh, my dear, what, what, are you, what, what are you talking about? Well, golly gee, I'm, I'm probably just going to skip this. I'm really trying, but okay. So what we're going to talk to you today, or at least I'm going to talk to you today, is about genre mashups. Because as you noticed in The Fable of Shannon Cable, there's at least five or six genres. Twelve. You got... Minimal. Twelve. You got comedy, horror, musical, superhero. Uh, am I forgetting? Th- thriller, uh, uh, kung fu. Kung fu. Yeah. Everything's a kung fu movie to me. That's that's Literally valid. Everything. <laughs> I, I, if only. If only. Um, a story of mothers and daughters, um, family drama, etc. No, and it's really interesting how it mashes up genre really well. Um, and it mashes up genre the best whenever the tone, we're going to keep talking about tonal consistency, but whenever the tone is consistent across parts, that's whenever the genre, you, you don't really feel weird about, oh, now they're singing and now we're getting back into spoo- spooky things, um, you know, ghosties lurking around and everything. Um, whenever you get... The power of Shannon Cable is when it subverts these expectations of genre because you don't expect people in your horror movie to burst into song, nor do you expect uh, childhood superheroes to pop up and then help uh, defend you against uh, a you know sexual assault perpetrator or anything like that. So uh, that's whenever it works the best is whenever it's kind of sub- when it's subverting genre. Now, un- unfortunately, one thing that I think one of Shannon Cable's biggest weaknesses, and I, we will, again, talk about this more, is that when it falls into tropism, and whenever it doesn't subvert genre, I think that's whenever the film kind of uh, falters. Whenever Shannon Cable is kind of reduced to your final girl, I'm looking at my uh, uh, frightful femme over there, who writes a lot about the final girl type stuff. Well, whenever you get Shannon Cable kind of falling into a final girl type role, you know, she's you know, she has to be pure, she has to carry on the story, she has to tell her friends, and then, you know, she defeats the big baddie uh, with purity intact and all of that. Um, that's whenever Shannon Cable doesn't succeed in, in its genre mashups, is whenever it, it actually falls into familiar genre tropes. And, and on the Good Trash genre cast, I mean, genre is part of our name, so it's really important to contemplate genre, and, and how genre can be a roadmap for, for movies, I guess, that aren't necessarily trying that hard. But for Shannon Cable, a film that tries really hard to subvert your expectations, you can't use genre as a roadmap to kind of navigate you, to, to figure out where you're going. You have to kind of rely on the storytelling and the moving of the narrative itself. Um, and unfortunately, whenever you fall back into those genre tropes, that's whenever the film gets predictable. But it wasn't predictable until that moment. And, and that's one of the things I actually wanted to talk to you today about. Um, and the fact that everyone, you know, you get two badass ladies saving themselves at the end of the day. And that does my heart good. So, yep. So that's what I'm talking to you about. And Thank you very much. And that is how we do it. That is how we do it. That's the good trash genre cast. That is the good trash genre cast. 
so normally at this point we do something else on the podcast because we're just sitting in Arthur's apartment. Um, but we're fortunate enough to have filmmakers here with us today. Caleb? Yeah, uh, so we actually have uh, a few different filmmakers here oh, with us let's, today. Let's say goodbye to Alex real quickly. Bye! Bye, uh, Alex. Caleb and I will be manning the stage uh, for now. Uh, bye, bud. Miss you. Be safe. See you soon. Okay, so Dalton and I are going to talk a little bit uh, to the filmmakers. That's uh, Jacob and Zachary Burns. Zach, Zachary. I don't know. Whatever you, whichever you prefer, bro. Uh, we're going to be talking to you guys. Those are two of the producers on the film and two of the co-founders of Planet Thunder Productions. Uh, we're going to talk to them a little bit about the fable of Shannon Cable, if you generally want to come on up. Uh, we're going to talk to them about their film, the film and their experience working on the film. Uh, and they've also got a really cool film at Dead Center coming out here next week in uh, less than a week, actually. That we're going to talk to them about a little bit as well. Um, if you guys are into the genre stuff, I think you're going to hear a lot more about that. Um, but uh, I think uh, we gotta, it's about time to kick off some of these questions here. So, Dalton, you ready to get this thing rolling? Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, gang. Hey, how, how you doing, fellas? Doing okay. Doing good. Um, I so so walk us through a little bit about how Planet Thunder became a thing, uh, if if you will. Yeah. So um, me, uh, Zachary, and Vinny uh, met at Oklahoma City University. True. Um, I was a film major. Zachary is a photographer, major. and um, Vinny was a music composition major. Um, and so. Um, we started going to, there was a, a filmmaker club there called the Filmmakers Guild. Um, and so that's where we met Vinny. Vinny wanted to write music for movies, and he would hang out with all the filmmakers and stuff. And then uh, <laughs> eventually, like, there wasn't enough movies for him to write music for, so he was like, oh, I'll just make my own movies to put music on. <laughs> and then, you know, he just got bit by the bug and has been doing that ever since. And so the three of us um, just kind of started making movies together. I think our first one was mm-hmm. The Adventures of Captain Thunder, Intergalactic <laughs> Enforcer. Um, yes. You can find that on YouTube if you search really yeah, if hard. You're <laughs> desperate. If you're really, really committed to finding yeah, it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, and so we just kind of, Planet Thunder Productions was kind of just something that we started putting on our movies just as our label or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, it eventually became like a real thing that <laughs> 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 it is now. Um, we yeah, just, we have a logo and everything. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, we have a logo, too. Oh, that's cool. And, yeah. <laughs> no, no, good for you. Good for you. Good for you. Dalton, Dalton, ego. Keep it on control. Sorry, we can sorry, all have logos. Sorry. We can all have logos. It's okay. Okay. It's okay. It's a very nice logo. So how many uh, projects? Have we've, we've got uh, Captain Thunder. We, we've got <laughs> The Fable of Shannon Cable. We've got uh, the forthcoming, um, uh, oh my God, Electric Nostalgia. Oh, Ooh, brain fart. Sorry yeah. about that. Uh, um, is that uh, the extent of your guys' filmography? What, what else were you looking at? Because that's what I'm aware of. Of course, yeah. Like As far as features, it's just Shannon Cable and then Electric Nostalgia. Um, and then there's a ton of shorts. Too many to name, really. Yeah. Uh, we just we really don't need to name them, <laughs> yeah. uh, mostly. But yeah, there's a lot of them. Destroy all vampires. Alex, oh. that counts as heckling. <laughs> I need Stop to see that, that one. <laughs> Again, it's on YouTube. If you search for really, <laughs> really, really hard, really you hard. Can find it. Very cool. Well, thanks again for letting us watch your film, uh, The Fable of Shan Cable. But Thank I know you. there's there's a couple things we want to talk about. Uh, we want to be friendly with you guys, folks. But we want to get. I know Dalton. We we really wanted to get the, the talk about the elf in the room first. <laughs> yeah, let's get into it. Um, <laughs> so let's start there. Obviously, uh, you guys did not write the film Correct. and did not direct True. it. Unfortunately, I, I, I'm I'm so sad that Vinny wasn't able to be here tonight. Yeah, uh, mostly because I think he would probably sing with me. Will you guys sing with me real quick? Sure, sure. You, 
is shedding fable is always able to kick some butt but let me tell you what god so good um that was good i feel like we had like some yeah, man knows how to write a score i felt a little pitchy um it's okay. so uh yeah <laughs> it's hard to talk about i'm sorry guys i i don't mean this to be confrontational at all and obviously you know, being producers on the film, though, you, you, I'm sure you were involved in these conversations. And, Zach, when you and I were talking last night, mm-hmm. I, I know you guys in hindsight were like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have did that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, let, I, I mean, let's talk about, I mean, how involved in the story uh, production were you guys with Vinny? I mean, did he, were, were, was there pitch meetings? Did you guys kind of work on, on the film, the, the script together? Um, walk me through that a little bit. Um, for the most part, Vinny wrote it on his own and mm-hmm. he just write it just whenever he had time. And then he would send us drafts and stuff like that throughout. And um, uh, believe it or not, we toned it down quite a bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as 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 producer as a good exactly. producer does, yeah. Um, sure. And so yeah, but you know, part of the point of us doing Shannon Cable and, and like honestly, it's, it's super weird that there's a bunch of people. <laughs> Uh, in front of microphones, like really analyzing this movie, because like that was not the p- <laughs> the point of this movie at Wait, all. You mean you didn't you didn't uh, sit and think like, someone's gonna it. sit and hyper analyze exactly? Things but you're um, welcome. I'm so glad you did. Like it's, it, it was great. Um, and so, um, yeah, the, part of the point was like we were just like we just we want to make movies, and we're just gonna start doing it. And um, Vinny uh, had this idea; he'd always want to make a haunted house movie in in that his parents' house because uh, that's where he grew up, and it. it creeped him out as a kid (laughs) i can see why (laughs) and see uh and so yeah he had this idea and he just kind of kept going with it and so um well it was like he he came up to us and was like hey i have this idea for a movie that we should make uh and and we were like oh cool yeah that sounds interesting and then like a week later he gave us the first draft of the script (laughs) and we're like whoa (laughs) joking around man slow it down (laughs) yeah yeah and then it was like a month later we started shooting (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is a quick uh, for for those of you who don't know that is a really fast turnaround uh, in terms of production yeah and that's just kind of Vinny uh like once he gets his mind set on something he just wants to go full force gung-ho uh straight into it as hard as possible yeah absolutely and of course he pitched it as like he's like yeah we're gonna make it on like you know nights and weekends and you know like it'll probably take you know a couple of months (laughs) (laughs) cut to 18 months later exactly yeah yeah. (laughs) a year and a half later and we're still doing reshoots and And, i mean that's another thing that's really interesting about the movie was how much we like if you read the script that we started shooting with it's it's a very it's a very different movie um and so throughout that time the movie really evolved and you know like you guys talking about the tonal shifts and the genre shifts you know we we would joke on set we're like depending on what scene we were shooting we're like we're like it really just feels like we're shooting like five different short films <laughs> yeah like <laughs> on much. top of each other right yeah, and I, exactly yeah. and i think that is part of the strength uh, of it at its most cohesive moments is, is the fact that it does feel like several films at once and yet is, is very much a, a singular vision but you you have so many different homages in there. I mean, there, there's a little bit of a Sam Raimi a floaty cam at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got a real Edgar Wright vibe. Yeah, with yeah. Oh, getting warm in the car. I really like that. But there, you know, there's there's touches to terrible 90s television. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I really it's enjoy... Happy Gilmore when you go to that uh, the nursing home in the sky. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I really enjoy these these disparate influences that, that kind of work their way into the film. I, I know, obviously, this is a Vinny question, and sadly, he's not here. Is that something you guys could speak to at all, though, some of the things that influence him um, and influence the three of you working together on this film. Yeah, absolutely. Tell them about the Ninja Turtles lighting. 
So we had a shorthand on set for, uh, we'd be like, oh, what kind of lighting you want, Benny? And he'd be like, uh, Ninja Turtles. Um, <laughs> and he would be referring to, uh, in the uh, classic Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie from the, the 90s, um, so there's good. a flashback scene uh, with very high contrast lighting, uh, very dark. Um, uh, yeah, kind there's of a just these pools of light. Yeah. Things floating in darkness. Exactly. So we use that a lot for a lot of the, the flashbacks in here to the 1920s stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, uh, so Ninja Turtles was an influence. <laughs> and then uh, he um, he has said that Darkwing, Darkwing Duck, Duck was yeah. an influence. That's so good. <laughs> um, so yeah, what's, what's another thing that's interesting about Vinny is that he hasn't uh, seen as many movies as a lot of filmmakers has, but the movies he did watch... He watched them over and over and over. Yeah, and I, over I and find this to be a, a trait in a lot of film directors, a lot of filmmakers. Like they they, they latch onto like three or four movies. They'll wa- they will study it into yeah, intimately, uh, yeah. and and then you go out and you you make that version of that film your own, right? So yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of that with uh, with Vinny and in, in, in this film. So sure. so a lot of influences. So he watched them. Um, what are like Lord of the, He's a huge Lord of the Rings oh, fan. Oh man, um, which yeah, you guys thought like. Sam Raimi, like uh, Peter Jackson, like kind mm-hmm. of his early stuff. Yeah, Hero mm-hmm. Excited, which was Dead a lot Alive of influence and on yeah, there. Like exactly. Stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was Peter Jackson was mentioned a lot. Um, so yeah, yeah. There's kind of just like the movie, kind of a mishmash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one thing, one thing I noticed. I mean, you guys did have a. I mean, for especially for a film that was on a shoestring budget, you guys had a pretty fair number of uh, special effects shots in the film. Like a lot. A lot. I mean, the, <laughs> yeah. the blue, uh, the blue flaming headband, which by the way was played by Vinny, correct? Correct. Yep, that's yeah. Vinny. Oh man, so last funny. minute. Uh, decision there. Oh, really? Yeah. You, originally, there was a different actor set up to play Blue Flame, uh, and then literally the day we were going to start shooting Funky Soul Retriever stuff, uh, that guy dropped out. Actors. And so Vinny... <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vinny just had to be like, okay, uh, who's just going to be here all the time anyway? Oh, I am, so I guess <laughs> I'll do it. Well, I, I, he did a killer job. He was he's probably so said, funny. Yeah. Some of the funniest no, parts yeah, of the movie he, come from that. But, he uh, rocked it. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious, though. Like, where did you get? How did you guys go about figuring out how to shoot that stuff? Because I mean, on, on a budget, you probably weren't renting a lot of green screen or studio space. I mean, were you guys using like garages, like, uh, or, or I noticed we, you got in the bloopers, you like, actually built a, a roof set. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the uh, and, and a lot of that on set was just like. Because um, Vinny did all all of post production himself, um, uh, and so a lot of it was just like, well, we're kind of trusting that this is all going to cut together. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, so the effects, um, we because we shot it over such a long period of time on days that we weren't shooting, uh, me and Zachary would usually go over to Vinny's parents' house, and a lot of times we would do yeah, test shots, shoot stuff anyway, um, or do some tests on special effects stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, yeah, we built. Um, Man, it just depends on the scene. Like, so we we had green screens in their uh, parents' living room uh, that we shot a yeah. lot of it on, and then we had a warehouse downtown that we were able to uh, kind of take over for <laughs> like six months. Yeah. Uh, and they were very nice. Yeah, and they let him build a rooftop rooftop set, set in and there, the attic set. Yeah. That's uh, really impressive. Yeah, uh, especially yeah, for for the again the, the no whoa, budget. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Be- the attic was a set. Correct. Son yep. of a bitch, you guys are tricky. <laughs> yeah. That is real cool. Uh, because, he, as we've talked about, I mean, there, there are moments where you guys are very much kind of lampshading mm-hmm. uh, the, the budget and saying, yeah, th- we know this looks kind of silly. Totally. Yeah. That <laughs> attic doesn't, that, I did not know that was a set. So, oh, that's, that's, great. that's really great. Well, that's amazing. well yeah. done, gentlemen. The, the, well yeah, because the, oh. <laughs> Oh, oh golly! The yeah, because the attic. Uh, if you watch it again, you should look. You really only see two walls in the attic. 
I um, will look again. Yeah, you should. Like, <laughs> it's just a matter of camera placement and a little bit of lighting and putting things in front of the camera. Yeah, exactly. Gotta love the movie magic. Gotta love yep. it. Yeah. Okay, look. Oh, and one more thing about green screens is because of the funky soul retrievers, uh, since they are multiple colors, mm-hmm. one of them um, being green, one of them being green, I was one thinking of them about being that. Blue, <laughs> the two usual colors for screens, uh, we had to come up with our own screen color. Uh, and we generally went with purple. Um, so then, uh, yeah, we could cut them out uh, without cutting part of them out. Um, yeah. Yeah, so they're outside of just the special effects shots, though, there's a pretty fair amount of looked like uh, kind of fighting. I mean, jumping off a balcony. A lot of stunts. And, yeah, some stunt work. I mean, did you guys just kind of play it by ear? Did you actually have like anyone you knew that was helping you guys do coordinating at all? or? Um, no, we, yeah. uh, <laughs> fingers crossed, hope for the best. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, I, uh, and a lot of it, like some of those shots, like look more harrowing than they were. Like there's one where she mm-hmm. jumps over the balcony of the, the stairway. Um, and really it's just editing. Uh, we, we shot her looking like she was about she to jump, jump and then cut. And then she just like was on the it's a really up seamless and down. cut. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah it's it's yeah. a really good yeah, cut. Yeah. We were shocked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It looks yeah, amazing. We were shocked how well that worked. <laughs> and so, yeah, there's a few things like that. And then mm-hmm. some of the stuff, you know, like, um, it, uh, well, when she crawled out the window, she was on the roof. But um, but a lot of the roof stuff was... But was out, outside of that, train, yeah. uh, right outside the window, all the roof stuff was uh, on a set. Yeah. And green screen, or purple screen, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we do have a few questions that might be more appropriate for the actors. I know some of them are here tonight. Hello, everyone. <laughs> hi actors, actors, hi actors. Um, so and I'm, I'm really curious uh, for you guys specifically uh, what your experiences were on the film if there is an actor in particular that would like to speak you can feel free to there's a an audience mic we have a spare one up here nice. uh, if there's any, anybody that is so yeah. inclined Clint, Clint you don't have Clint. 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 Uh, Clint, will you grab it? Yeah, Clint, you can just grab a chair and, and join us up here, man. Yeah, do it. We are a chair short, though. It's okay. You, can you not like levitate that with your ghost magic? <laughs> yeah. Spooks, man. You well, can fly. The, he's got the allergies going on, so it's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Clint, yeah, are there too many humans in here? Or it's, it's awkward. I just don't like it. Welcome to the yeah, t- yeah. welcome to the table. How does it feel? Yeah. Uh, this is all right. Oak. Oh. <laughs> in death. In death. Uh, Clint, will you will you sing with me? Singing the Shannon Cable song or the Funky Soul Retriever? All Funky Soul Retrievers. <laughs> Funky, Funky Soul Retrievers, yeah. You started off, man. I'm not in the movie. <laughs> me? Yes. I'll, I'll join you in. Because we're, we're the, the Funky Soul Retrievers. And we're, we're coming, coming to, to, to your town. That's, yeah, it's. Uh, I want to speak actually to that. Uh, the first thing that I noticed the moment we started working on this movie was I came home every night for like the next two years and this music would be stuck <laughs> in my and I'm surprised I did not grow to hate it uh, it's but, so but better it's, it's too I, catchy no, yeah. it, it really is just that catchy uh, but it's like I mean uh, when Vinny asked me if, if I was interested in doing this movie the first thing he asked me was uh, do you want to do this movie I, I have this idea it's kind of like Ninja Turtles uh Meets, I can't remember what, what exactly he referenced, but the greatest pitch. Like, Apparently, this is the greatest I, pitch I've ever heard in my he life. Said Ninja Turtles. I was like, yes, all right, awesome. I'm in. Uh, but uh, 
the music was actually one of the first things he even, I didn't even get to read the script uh, before he started doing the music for me. He just started playing some of it on the piano, and I was just like, all right, I guess I'm singing. That'll be <laughs> awkward. Um, so the, the two of you have a, a really great back. And, I mean, do you and Vinny go back? Did you know him Vinny, prior? I actually have known since I was in preschool. That checks out. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that checks out watching the movie because, yeah, you guys um, have a, a really us, great chemistry. Yeah, a few, like, uh, the, his parents' house is actually right next to our uh, grade school where we grew up and everything. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's just kind of strange thinking about how far all this goes back. Because we also, I mean, we were in high school and stuff, too, but mm. then uh, didn't see each other for, I think, like four years. And all of a sudden, he, I found out he was doing movies. And I'd already, I'd been sort of just acting on the side and everything. And he kept asking me to do stuff for him. So I was like, okay, yeah, I can do that. So... <laughs> so you guys are really funny. Uh, let's not have no, no bones about it. Uh, how much of that is really tightly scripted uh, for the film? I mean, was there? I'm a, I'm I'm feeling like there might have been a little uh, room for improv on the set. There had to be a there little was bit. Right? Some improv on the set, uh, quite a bit actually. But but I mean, but he did get. I went once. I did actually get to read the script a little bit. I I got to give a few ideas and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Pretty much all of us just kind of any time that we were uh, looking over the script together or uh, just on set, we would kind of pop out some ideas and film them and just see how it worked. Uh, I will say, like, I mean, a lot of the stuff like uh, you you see, like the promo for the Funky Soul Retrievers or whatever, like from or uh, whatever they were called. Motley Uh, Bundle. Motley Bundle. I'm sorry. Uh, but like I mean, most of that we were just we were in that basement filming and <laughs> just kind of like had whatever props we had at the time. And we're like, let's get a shot of Clint climbing through this thing. There's and so many shots of you in that <laughs> crawl space. <laughs> but like that's I mean that's I mean half the time that's how we were filming the whole mm-hmm. thing was just like if we didn't have I mean yes we had storyboards and stuff like that, but uh, also there were just times where we were like. We have this opportunity. Let's just go ahead and get some shots of like random stuff happening and just people joking around and making funny chick with their mouths and just <laughs> say things about ghost farts and it just it it just all actually came together way better than I ever expected it to. Too. So. <laughs> so I'm just curious, what to what, had you had any experience acting on like green screens and on sets like that before? Uh, so we had done, I think, just a tiny bit of green screen on one other movie, uh, yeah. the, a short film that we did. I called Peter and the Villain. A few years before, but aside from that, no. This was this was and probably will always be. I would assume the most green screen that I've ever seen, uh, or blue screen, purple screen, all those things. <laughs> yeah. And that was the worst thing. They mentioned you know that we use different colors of screens, but we also because of that and because of the different colors of costumes had to film less in like separate like shots and everything, and then yeah. no. uh, compose it all in post. Well, yeah, because so, like, your costume was, so, purple. My was purple. So just going to so, make like, it as, as hard as possible. just one color for everyone. And so like, we literally would have like purple yeah. and then green next to it. Or we would have to shoot like two oh separate shots and then yep. like put them all together later. Yeah. Uh, which is ha- another reason why I'm surprised it all came together so well, because... Uh, I, I don't know how we managed comic timing when we were all like filming our own shots separately half the time, too. Uh, but, I mean, that's, that's I guess, a, a testament to the editing as well. Uh, no, it's just uh, all that stuff was just uh, – it was, it was interesting. Like a very brief shot in the movie, I fly over the roof. Uh, they, like, yeah, yeah. in the air and I fly over the roof. Yep. That took, like, <laughs> two hours to film just of me flying because we had one shot of me, like, facing the camera, a shot of me, like – 
instead of okay so instead of we had like a shot of i guess my back or something i can't remember exactly how we did it but instead of the camera being over me i was hanging sideways with my my side like on like a chair and i just had to sit like that for like 20 minutes while we got like as many shots as we could of this in you slow motion thing. fast motion yeah. but like so it but just, with a fan blowing in your face and it's just it's ridiculous there was a lot of fun fan blowing in but, the, but that's the thing yeah yeah but like and that's the thing is like we did so much, so many weird things just to get like even the briefest shots and everything. But it was, it was, it was a really interesting experience. So I, I don't think, I can't imagine I'm going to do anything like that again. <laughs> well, then there are the puppets. Which you I'm start not strong and go out yeah. on a high note. Yeah. 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 So this this will be the last question for you guys. Uh, I, I'm more than curious. Do do the three of the three of you does does anybody have a favorite song or favorite joke? Because there are so many good ones. Because I do. <laughs> it's Cladomen. <laughs> oh, man. That's something that we, we just started saying on well, set. Just as a just joke. As yeah. a joke and then we just did it in the movie. Yes. That makes me so happy. And then, like, anything we could figure out to say slightly wrong like that, we did. I can't think of any of them. <laughs> just, just trust me that it happened. I believe you. Was it was it a lot of fun working on like a musical? Like, was that a pretty cool experience for all of you guys? I mean, was this the first one you'd done full musical film? Or? Yeah, definitely. It was for like sure. this whole movie was just a lot of experimenting and uh, <laughs> just uh, trying. Like you said, like we hadn't really done much green screen before, and just like so, it was. Some days it was just like, oh man, I don't even. I have no idea like what we're doing, but uh, somehow I think for the most part it worked out. Yeah, came together. Well, at, at this moment, uh, we would like if Nick, if we could get the house lights up just a little bit, uh, we'd like to open that mic up there. If there are any audience members who have questions for the Burnses and Clint, uh, there it is. Uh, so we get the house lights up just a little bit, so nobody falls and hurts themselves. Uh, I don't want to be liable for anything ever in my life. Um, Might be entertaining. So, does anybody have any questions before we go through the trouble of doing that? By a round of applause. <laughs> round of applause. <laughs> We got the lights up. Let's do it, guys. Okay. Do it. No. No. Don't One be shy. chance. Do Once it. in a lifetime do chance. It. It's never going to happen again. Literally won't happen again. I, I'm, I'm never, never talking about this, this movie again. Yeah, so. <laughs> All right. We will move happen. forward then. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm not going to make anybody do anything they don't want to do. Let's, oh, no. Yeah. It's mostly there to catch your laughter. Uh, so, uh, gentlemen, thank you so very much. Let's give another round of applause for the Burnses and Clint. Thank you. Uh, gentlemen... At, at this point, uh, we would like to uh, talk a little bit about your upcoming film, Electric Nostalgia. Because uh, we're going to show the trailer. It's going to be at Dead Center this coming week. Correct. So to tell the nice people about it, and we'll all go find some chairs in the audience, and we'll show that thing. Boom. Sweet. So uh, Electric Nostalgia is very different from Shannon Cable. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot less Much singing. less green screen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Still a little. So. Still a little. Uh, so um, I wrote and directed. Uh, I wrote and directed Electric Nostalgia, and it is a Ooh. sci-fi thriller. Um, it's about a young woman who starts having these weird dreams and visions of this man without a face um, after she's brought back from the dead in a body that's not her own. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. It's creepy. Pretty high. high con- <laughs> pretty uh, high concepts, right? Yeah. That yeah. sounds crazy. Um, Did we do that? Yeah. Nuts. <laughs> so yeah, it's a very uh, Twilight Zone type sci-fi film. Um, and I think it's pretty good. Um, so you guys should definitely check it out on Thursday, June 9th yep. at 9.45 p.m. at Harkins, yep. and then uh, Saturday, June 11th 
And oh yeah, don't feel like you have to remember that there are flyers at the There's back of the house. Flyers, or you, you flyers, can check Facebook. Um, and for the first time, we're going to announce something cool that's going to happen at the world premiere. If you show up at the world premiere, first come, first serve, we have official Electric Nostalgia slap bracelets. <laughs> Woo! So well, don't want to miss that. Let's become scarce and watch the trailer for Electric Nostalgia. That was Electric Nostalgia. Give a round of applause for all of our guests and our panelists. Um, and give a round of applause for yourself, too. Because thanks for being here. You didn't have to. And we love you. So claps to you. So claps for yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I just wanted to thank you all for, on behalf of Good Trash Media, on behalf of Planet Thunder, hopefully I could speak for them, and on the ba- behalf of the parish, thank you so much for being here tonight. It truly means a lot to us. You will be seeing our Dead Center coverage throughout the entire festival, um, and we hope to see you there as well. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful evening. They're talking.